Well, what is up, Emmanuel? How you feeling today? Pretty good? You excited to be here? I hope you are, because I'm fired up. I got a good talk for you today. And if you're a guest with us here today, hey, let, me, let me let you know that this is the second week of a series called Hindrance. And so I want to give you a little bit of a review. And this always helps those of us who were here last week anyway, because we kind of forget maybe what was said. But what we said last week and kind of starting this series is that we have some big ideas that we want to set this whole series upon. And that first idea, we'll just jump right into it in your notes there, is this idea that God is always working. He's always doing things. And this really helped me when I was early on in my journey as a Christ follower, because I had this understanding that God was somewhere beyond the stars, maybe disinterested in my life, and really not doing many things. I mean, I knew Christ died for me. I knew I put my faith in him. I knew I was going to heaven when I died. But how much did God really care about, I don't know, say my math class or, or history or the fact that I didn't have a girlfriend or something like that. Like I didn't think he was that interested, but I found out very quickly as I read the Bible that God is interested in my life and he's always doing work. Jesus said it this way in John chapter 5, my father is always working and so am I. Blew my mind, changed my life, this one truth. The second truth that this series kind of rests upon is that God invites me, he invites you to partner with him to do his work. Blew my mind that God would actually let invite little old me into his story. By the way, that's the word history. It really means history, his story. Did you ever put those together? It's kind of cool. So you look back in history. This is, this is his story we're living in, right? We're, and he says, I want you to be part of my story. In fact, I have a key role for you to play in it. Again, blew my life apart. It's like, wow, I can be part of what you're doing in this world. You know, as a college student, I'm thinking through this stuff through, and I'm like, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just join God, and we're going to change the world and all that stuff. And, and, uh, and so that's, that's really true, that God wants you to play a role in his story. I was reading uh, through the, the one-year Bible, this, this, uh, this, this I always do, but uh, this particular week we're in the book of 2 Thessalonians, if you're reading it, uh, and going through the one-year New Testament, and I came across this passage, I, if you read it, I, I want to show it to you again, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, Paul writes this to a group of Christians in Thessalonica, and he says, may, may he give you the power to accomplish all of the good things that your faith prompts you to do. In other words, you have some good things, some good works that God wants you to do and partner with him uh, in this life to accomplish. And that makes life very exciting. That makes life a journey that it's not just all about you. It's about you and God doing things together. In fact, the prayer that Jesus gave us, uh, that he, it's called the Lord pray, Lord's Prayer. Part of it is, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're to pray that every single day. And so God is wanting to do this work. He wants to invite, he want, invites us to partner with him. Now here's, the, here's what this series is all about. You can either help in that process or you can be a hindrance. Last week we looked at Peter, and Peter was a hindrance according to Jesus, right? Jesus said to him, get behind me, Satan, because you are hindering me. You're not thinking like God. You're thinking from merely a human perspective. And so the same thing uh, applies to you and I. We can either be productive and helpful in accomplishing the work that God wants to do in us and through us, or we can be a hindrance. So if you missed last week, uh, you can catch it on the podcast, and, and, and I can't, don't have time to get into all what I said last week, but I thought it was pretty good. Did you enjoy last week? Was it helpful? Good. Okay, so let's jump into today's idea, the second way that we hinder the work of God. In your notes, I'll just tell you what it is. We hinder the work of God when we lack faith. We hinder the work of God when we lack faith. 
faith, when we fail to believe that God is capable of doing incredible things, when, when we fail to believe that God is able to heal the marriage or put the marriage back together, when we, when, when we fail to believe that God is able to do the work uh, in, in the life of a loved one who doesn't have faith in Jesus Christ, maybe it's a father or a mother or a sister or a brother, we, we, we hinder the work of God when we fail to believe that God can actually help us find that job that we're looking for or get the job transfer that we need. We, we hinder the work of God when we fail to believe that God could actually help us heal in the, in the emotional parts of, of our soul. Maybe it's because uh, something happened in our past or someone has crossed us or hurt us or wounded us. We, we hinder the work of God when we fail to believe or when we fail to, when we fail to believe that we can actually forgive the people in our life that have hurt us, that that's, it's actually better to drop the charges and not hold the grudge than it is to hold on to that stuff. We hinder the work of God, the work that he wants to do in us and the work that he wants to do, do, do through us. We hinder the work of God when we fail to believe and trust him that if we give back a small portion of our income to the work of God that he will, he will provide for us. And that's been a thing around our church recently is this whole idea of giving back so that we can further the kingdom. Several people have come to me and they've said, Danny, I'm so, um, I'm so upset that we didn't reach our goal financially. If people only knew, if people only, this is what they said, two, two or three people, if people only knew that they could never outgive God, if they could just entrust that, if they give 10% back to the, the work of God, that God would open up the heavens. And, I, and here's what I say, I know, I, you're, you're preaching to the choir here. Like, like I, know, I trust God, like we bring the tithe in, it's a big thing, but a lot of people don't, right? Because why? It's a lack of faith. Like we hinder the work of God when we fail to to believe that God can do all things, that he has a plan for our life, that he can work. Listen, if we follow his principles when it comes to sexuality and relationships, that it's actually going to go better for us. I talk to so many people that just take the rules of the Bible when it comes to sexuality and relationships, and they just break them, and they say, well, it's impossible to do it Jesus' way. What is that? That is a lack of faith. You are failing to believe that if you, if you practice celibacy, if you wait until your wedding night for, to, to, to have sexual intimacy, that God will actually bless you. Yeah, of course, I've, of course, that's, that, that's, that's like an old thing. That's archaic. No, nobody does that today. Okay, that's fine. I'm just saying, this is what God says. He gives us these principles. He gives us these ideas. And you know what it really comes down to? A lack of faith. And because we don't believe him, we don't trust him, we hinder the work that God wants to do in our lives and through our lives. Yes or no? See, faith is, a, is, a, is an essential part to seeing God's work done. Let me give you a few examples. In the book of Matthew chapter 9, I've made mention uh, of these recently. I'll, I just want to go through them again because they're so exciting. They're so, so clear. There's this woman that, that's got this, this problem inside of her body, and she's been bleeding for, for years and years and years. And, and she just believes that if she could just touch the, the hem of Jesus' robe, if she could just grab a hold of the, the, you know, if Jesus had pants on, like just at the bottom of his pants, you know, today it would have been tough if Jesus had skinny jeans on to grab anything, you know what I'm saying, because there's nothing really to grab. She just thinks to herself, if I could just get a hold of him, then I'll be healed, and listen to what happens in Mark chapter 9, verse 22, daughter, be encouraged, say it with me, yours, say it with me, your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. And the, and the woman was healed at that moment. Now, let me ask you a question. Was, her, was it her faith that healed her? Was it, was it her faith that healed her? Yes or no? No, it wasn't. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was the power of God. 
But the power of God was unlocked, unleashed, revealed, made possible because she brought faith to the table. See what I'm saying? It's not the, the faith that healed her. It's the power of God. The power was in Jesus, right? Power was going out of him. Same chapter, Mark chapter 9. Mark's had two blind guys come to Jesus. They're like, you know, we want to see. Jesus says to them, hey, do you want, what? here's what he said. Do you believe that I'm able to do this? They said, yes, Lord, we believe. So watch what happens in verse 29. Then he touched their eyes and he says, because of your, say it with me, faith, it will happen. And right there, watch what happens. Their eyes were opened and they could see. Now, again, was it their faith that helped them to see? No, it wasn't. It was the power of God. But the power of God is unleashed, unlocked, revealed, made possible when we bring faith to the table. Jesus is saying, look, you, you, the, the power is not in you. The power is not in me. The power is, is, in, is in Jesus. And, and that power is opened up or revealed to us when we bring faith to the table, when we believe that it's possible. And so our job is to come to the table with faith. One time when Jesus was uh, in his hometown, he went back home after his ministry had started and he was preaching and teachings. Well, he went back to Nazareth and he was preaching in the temple uh, on the Sabbath, which was typical what he, what he would do. Can you imagine one of Jesus' sermons? I mean, there must have been something, right? I mean, the Sermon on the Mount's recorded, but that's just one of many. And he, so he's in there, he's preaching on a, on a regular basis. And, and after he'd get done preaching, you know, he, he would do some healings. And that was just the way he did his ministry. Well, in his hometown, after he got done with one of his sermons, uh, it, the crowd was like, where did he get all this wisdom from? Like, this is, this is Jesus, the son of Mary. Like, we know his brothers. We know his sisters. Like, we, we saw him, go, you know, go through the teenage years. This is, this is Jesus. Who does he think he is preaching in the temple like this? Where did he get this wisdom? Watch what happens in Mark chapter 6. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. Why? Why? Watch what happens. Next verse. He was amazed at their lack of, say it with me, faith. They were looking at him saying, you're just that little old boy. I remember when you were 10. You were so cute. <laughs> I remember when you got your first pimple at 13. I remember. Who do you think you are preaching in the temple? You're nobody. We know your sisters and your brothers. They didn't believe that he was the son of God. And so he did very few miracles. Listen to how Matthew describes the same event in Matthew chapter 13. He puts it all together in one verse. He says, and so he did only a few miracles there because of their, say it with me, unbelief. See, you and I, we need to bring faith to the table. That's what we do. And when we fail to bring faith to the table, we close off the power of God. Listen to what one uh, Bible commentator said. I love this quote. He said, such unbelief closes the channels of grace and mercy so that only a trickle gets through to human lives in need. Can I ask you a question today? Do you, do you want a trickle of the mercy and power of God in your life? How about, how about this question? How about if I ask it this way? Do you want a trickle of the power of God to be unleashed or revealed to your children? How about to your spouse? How about to your loved one? How about to your family? How about, how about to your community? I want, I want the heavens to be opened up. I don't want the problem to be my unbelief. I want to come to the table and say, God, I believe. I believe that you can do all things. And to see his power open up and flow into people's lives and, and, and miracles happen. We just got done singing about it. I believe in you. I believe in you. The God of miracles. That's, that's a real thing. 
This is a real God who does amazing things. But we have to bring faith to the table. See, when it comes to faith, I believe a lot of us resonate with, the, with this man in Mark chapter 9. Have you read about him? Mark chapter 9, he's got a demon-possessed son. Now, I don't think we relate to him because, because we have demon-possessed children, although you may. <laughs> you may have one. Listen, I know some of you are like, when's he ever going to do an exorcism Sunday? I need to, like, cast a demon out of my son. Well, I understand that, but... <laughs> I get that, but, but I, don't think, I think we relate to this man in Mark chapter 9, not because we have a demon-possessed child. He has a demon-possessed child, but because he has this mixture. He has this, this dilemma. He has this tension. He has faith, but there's also doubt in his heart. I believe that, that a lot of us do that. We believe, but our faith, our faith is not complete. We believe, but not completely. You resonate? We have a certain level of faith, but there's also some doubt. Maybe it's 60-40. Maybe it's 70-30. Maybe it's 80-20. Heck, if you're doing really good, maybe it's 90-10. But, but there's never 100% faith and, you know, one, you know, zero doubt. It was no different for this guy in Mark chapter 9. See, he, had, he brought his son to Jesus because he believed that Jesus could heal him and cast this demon out. And right when the demon sees that it's Jesus, he, the demon grabs a hold of this kid and throws him to the ground. He starts to convulse and foam at the mouth and all this stuff. And Jesus says, how long has he been this way? Listen to what the man says in response. He replied, since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him into the fire, into the water, trying to kill him. Have, <laughs> watch this. And here's where we see the combination of faith and doubt. Listen to these words carefully. Have mercy on us and help us Ready? If you can. If you can. In other words, translation, you may not be able to. I'm not quite sure. I'm like 50-50 with this thing. Like, I heard stories about you, but I'm not totally convinced. Like, I'm here, I'm present, I believe, but there's that piece of me that says, maybe not. Listen to how Jesus replies. I love it. Jesus says, what do you mean, if I can? Are you, are you crazy? Do you know who I am? Do you know I'm the creator of the heavens and the earth? Do you know that I hung the stars in the sky? Do you know I'm the alpha and the omega? Do you know that I raised the dead back to life? Like, what do you mean, if I can? You obviously don't know who I am. Are you with me? Jesus is insulted almost, right? What do you mean, if I can? Listen to what he says here. Anything is possible if a person believes Anything's possible. Listen, you know what he's saying to this guy, this dad who comes to, who comes to Jesus with a mixture of, of faith and doubt? He's saying, you know what the real issue is? The real issue is you. The issue is not me. See, I'm the son of God. I have all power. I created the heavens and the earth. It's, my father's given me all authority over everything. I can do anything. The issue with your boy is really your lack of faith. See, we hinder God when we come to him with a lack of faith. This is more of an issue with you, Dad, than it is an issue with me. I'm willing. I can do all things. And so watch what happens. The father instantly cried out, I do believe. <laughs> 60%. Would you help me with the 40? Would you help me with my unbelief? Have you ever been there? Yes or no? Are, listen, are you there right now with a job situation? Yes, you are, some of you. Are you there right now with some emotional pain? You're not sure if God can handle it, so there's a 50-50, a 60-40-70-30 split. Yes, there, there's some of you there. There's some of you there who are you're in a situation right now where you know the Bible says to forgive and drop the charges and let it go, and, and you're like, yeah, I know that, I believe that, but gosh, there's that 30% that believes it's better to hold a grudge. 
stick it to them, you know, hold it against them, right? We're, not, we're never 100% all in and, and, and 0% doubting. This is where we live. We live in this tension. So the, so the question I want to try to answer today, and of course it's gonna, I'm going to fall short because, you know, I just, I just do. I will. I try. I, give, I try to look into the scriptures and, and, and reveal stuff to you, to myself first. The question I want to try to resolve today is how do we increase our faith? How do we go, hey, wouldn't it be awesome if you went from 50-50 to 60-40? Wouldn't it be awesome if some of you went from 60-40 to 70-30? <laughs> How do we, in, wouldn't it be incredible if you went from 80-20 to 90-10 and you increased your faith? Whoa. What would happen in your life? You would stop hindering the work of God. Well, how do we do that? How do we increase our faith? I'm going to give you three simple ways. And, and I'm telling you, this isn't a sermon. Please hear my heart. This isn't a sermon. This is me trying to figure out how to walk with Jesus. <laughs> and then I'm just sharing it with you. Because I am a mixture of both faith and doubt myself. And I'm saying, Lord Jesus, help increase my faith. Because there are times where I waffle. There are times where I get. And you, you want to know why before we jump into the three things? Because we're going to get there. You want to know why we struggle? You want, I'll tell you why I struggle. It's because there's sometimes I pray a certain prayer. And I'm like all in. I'm like, oh, man, Jesus can do that. Like he can tear, he can tear this thing up. Like there's no way. Like he can do that. I know who he is, and so I'm gonna believe. And then, and then he doesn't do it. Ever been there? And you go, and all of a sudden, you just your mind is blown. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa! I prayed and I asked, and it didn't work. And and now what do I do? And now I'm like back to like the the drawing board, and and my faith is is rattled because I I believed and it didn't happen. In fact, that's what happened with this guy in Mark chapter 9. He had taken his son to the disciples first. Do you remember? Have you read it? He took his son to the disciples. He said, hey, guys, my son's got a demon. Can you help me? They tried. And guess what happened? They couldn't do it. So by the time he got his son to Jesus, he's going, I don't know. I mean, your boys, the boys that you run with, I saw them do some, they couldn't do it to my son. This, I don't even know if you can. See, his face was rattled. Because he had had an experience that, that shook him. And that's what happens to us. That's what happens to me. Nevertheless, nevertheless, we can increase our faith. How do we increase our faith? One time, oh, well, I'll just tell you the first one, ready? We'll just, we'll just jump right into it. Number one, focus on who God is. And, and this is so easy to say, but it's difficult to, to do. Uh, let me give you, let me give you a, a picture of what happened in Luke chapter 17. And I know I'm all over the Bible right now. Sorry, try to... I'm jumping all around, but there's so much stuff on this. In Luke 17, the disciples simply say this. Watch this. They say, Lord, increase our faith. Like the same, They're dealing with the same stuff you and I are dealing with. Like we want to believe more. We want to have a stronger faith. Now, to the answer to this question, I wish, I wish Jesus would have simply said, well, let me give you, a, I wrote a blog post on that one time. It's just three easy steps to increase your faith. You know, number one, you just pray more and read the Bible and it works out well. Instead, he says something really, really weird. Watch this. The Lord answered, he said, if you have faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, he brings trees into it. What's trees have to do with anything? Right? He's talking about how do you increase your faith? If you, you start talking to a tree and, and you'll say, may, may you be uprooted and thrown into, this, thrown into the sea. Like, and sometimes I read the words of Jesus and I go, what the heck are you talking about, dude? <laughs> like, why didn't you just give them a simple answer? Instead, he starts talking about mustard seeds. Do you know they sell mustard seeds at Walmart? They do. I have one right here. It's so small that if I hold it up, 
you can't see it. <laughs> That's how small. This is a great sermon illustration. Sermon illustration. Jesus used props. Did you know? <laughs> it's funny. Anyway, this is a bad. This is actually a really bad sermon uh, prop because you can't see it. It's bad, but it's so small. Jesus says, if you want to increase your faith, here's here's what I want you to understand. All you need is faith the size of a mustard seed. And, all, and you'll be able to do miraculous things. What does that mean? Well, here's, here's as I thought about it and kind of studied it out. Here's what I think it means. Jesus is deflecting people's attention away from their own faith towards the object of faith by using something so tiny. The reason that the illustration is so, so tiny is because that's not what's important. Listen, what John Piper said, a retired pastor. John Piper said this, by referring to the tiny mustard seed after being asked about increased faith, he deflects attention away from the quantity of faith, which is what they were asking for. We want you to increase our faith to the object of faith. See, if my mind and heart is focused on the object of faith, which is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God the Father and the Holy Spirit, if my mind and heart are so lasered in on who he is and what he's like, what is naturally going to happen to our faith? It's going to go up, right? We're going to see him as he really is. He's a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. We sing these songs, right? We try to focus our mind on, on who God is. If we focus on our faith and say, oh, I need to build my faith, build my faith, then that's the wrong direction. If we focus our mind and heart on who God is, then we grow our faith. Because what do we discover? What do we discover about God? He's the God who parts the Red Sea, right? And we go, oh, he's like that. Yes, he's like that. He's the God who protects Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in a fire. And some of you are like, Shadrach, who? Me, who? Shadrach? <laughs> some of you never heard of those guys? Read Daniel 3 tonight. Watch what happens to your faith, right? We discover that this is a God who, who, who parts, sees, who heals the blind, who touches people's eyes and they can see. And we're like, what am I afraid of? And our faith suddenly, by default, just starts to increase because we're focusing our mind and heart on who God is. Is that good stuff or what? Let me give you the second one. Let me give you the second one. Number two, saturate our mind with God's word. How do we increase our faith? We take this book and we fill our mind and we fill our hearts with it. You know what this book is? It's, 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 it's a book of faith. It's a testimony, as I just mentioned, about what God has done. As we read it, our faith starts to increase. Listen to what Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says. So faith comes by hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. How do we increase our faith? We take the words of God into our hearts and into our minds, and our faith starts to grow. Why? Because... We see, again, we see what God is like. So a way to focus our mind and heart on God is by saturating our mind with the word of God. Now, when you saturate something, you fill it to the brim. That's why I put that word in there. I want you to understand, you have to take time to fill your mind up with the words of God. So I practice this. I practice this. I have friends who practice this. So Psalm 23 is something that I saturate my mind with. So this is what it says. It's very short. Some of you memorized it when you were a kid. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. 
I will fear no evil because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So what I'll do on a daily basis is I'll just go over that in my mind, let that saturate, soak into my soul and what it means to me and, and how God uses it. And, and so all day long I'll have a verse pop in about a valley, the valley part or the path of righteousness part or the fact that he's my shepherd and I, I'm, I'm protected and, he's, and it just flows through my mind and heart. See, this is saturating your mind with the word of God. This, and, and then this increases our faith. I do this on Fridays. Fridays, some of you know, is my Sabbath day because I don't, Sundays I work <laughs> and Saturdays I work. So Friday I don't work. I don't pr- produce sermons. I don't counsel people unless it's an emergency or something like that. And so what I'll do is I'll take some extra time on Friday and I'll really saturate my mind with the word of God. So Fridays are essential for me to increase my faith and restore my soul and all those different types of things. It's my Sabbath. And so this Friday, I was sitting there at Starbucks, and, and I was just taking in uh, Jeremiah. Jeremiah is a, a, an incredible Old Testament book. And I came across Jeremiah thirty two seventeen, and this is, this is what it says. It says, O sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth by your strong hand and powerful arm. And then this is the part that got me. Nothing is too hard for you. And I just stayed there, and I just thought about that, and I just mulled that over in my mind, and I just kept going, nothing is too hard for God. And I kept saying it over and over, which is what it means to meditate, by the way. Focusing your mind on an object or a thought for a long period of time. Looking at it from different angles. Nothing is too hard for God. And guess what happened to my faith? Well, you tell me what what happened to my faith on Friday. What do you think happened to it? You think I was encouraged? I walked out of that coffee shop that day. I was ready to walk on water. I was ready to heal somebody. (laughs) Obviously, I can't in my own strength. But man, my faith, nothing, nothing is too hard for God. There's no marriage he can't put back together. There's no job situation he can't fix. There's no emotional problem he can't work out. There's no parenting issue that God can't help me with. I walked out of there like, like I was 10 feet tall. I was like, God, nothing is impossible with you. Isn't that what he said to the, to the man? Everything is possible for him who believes. I have to bring faith to this situation. Oh, but God, I prayed before and it didn't work hogwash, wipe it out. God had a different plan in that situation. Isn't that true? Isn't that how it works sometimes? I have friends who prayed for their spouses to, to, to get healed from cancer, and they died. It sometimes it doesn't work the way we ask God to work it out. You with me? That doesn't mean that he's not all-powerful. It doesn't mean that he doesn't have a plan. It doesn't mean that he, you should stop praying to him. He just had a different situation. He had a different plan. He wanted to go a different direction. And we're okay with that. Why? Because he's God. We're not. It doesn't mean we, have, we stop bringing faith to him and saying, God, I believe. I believe. Help my unbelief. 20%, 10%, whatever it is. Saturate your mind with the word of God. Let me give you this last one. This is kind of fun. Number three, exercise your faith. Faith is like a muscle. 
If you want to grow a muscle, you gotta, you got to stretch it. you got to push it. If you've ever lifted weights, if you've ever done anything like that in your past or maybe you're in your present, you know you have to push beyond what you're capable of doing in order for that muscle to grow. It, you need to tear that muscle down so it heals back stronger. Faith is the same way. You have to push yourself past what you're capable of doing if you want your faith to grow. Let me give you a great example in the life of Peter. Peter walked on water. Do you think he could do that in his own strength? He walked on water. In Matthew 14, he sees Jesus walking on the water. Listen to what he says to Jesus. Then Peter called out to him, if it's really you, tell me to come out to you walking on the water. This is the only recorded, you know, instance in history. In the past, in the present, where a human being walks on water, other than Jesus, obviously. Peter steps out of the boat. Jesus says, come on out. He walks on the water. Now, if you know the rest of the story, (laughs) he gets his eyes off Jesus. He gets focused on the winds and the waves, and he starts to sink, and he calls out, oh, save me, and listen to what happens. Jesus has to save him. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. He said, you have so little faith, Jesus said. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. He just walked on water. (laughs) He's got a lot more faith than I do, but anyway, this is Jesus. I guess he can say whatever he wants. Pete, you had such little faith. Jesus says, why did you doubt? Like, how much doubt did he have? He just walked on water. Are you kidding me? (sighs) I love this story. Because what Peter did, and I never put this together before this talk. I never put this together before, so I'll put it together for you really quick. Right before this happened, Jesus fed 5,000 people plus. Right before this story. Peter was the one grabbing baskets, (laughs) taking baskets of fish and bread that Jesus just turned from from five loaves of bread and two fish, Jesus turned it into enough food to feed 5,000. Now, I was just at the daddy-daughter dance a couple of weeks ago, and I saw how much Chick-fil-A nuggets it took to feed 400 people, 200 dads, 200 little girls. I was astonished at how many chicken nuggets it took with green beans. And, and so to feed 5,000 people, it was a ton of food. And here's Peter just grabbing basket after basket after basket, blowing his mind. Like, where's this food coming from? I don't know where it's coming from, but he keeps dishing out food you know, to feed the 5,000 people. This story happens right on the tail end of that other story. Peter probably went to bed that night saying, I wonder how far I could dig this. Like, I, my mind is blown. He just fed 5,000 people. And so he comes into the boat, and he sees Jesus on the water with this, with this mindset of, I, I think anything is possible. And that's why I believe Peter said to Jesus, call my name, and I'll walk on water too. What was he doing? He was stretching himself. He was pushing himself. He wanted to see just how far faith could, could take him. And so he tried to do something, attempted to do something that he knew, listen to me, that he knew was impossible for himself, for him to do by himself. And that is why his faith grows, and that is how your faith grows. We have to push past what we are capable of doing in our own strength if we want our faith to grow. Jerry Falwell wrote a book called Building Dynamic Faith. He's the founder of Liberty University. I graduated there uh, from there, met my wife there, one of the greatest schools on the earth, in my opinion. Um, In this book, he said something that has shaped my, my mindset. He says, because the Lord is a big God who does big things, you should begin doing bigger things for God than you're doing now. The bigger things you attempt for God, the bigger your faith can grow. Push your faith beyond your expectations. Attempting something bigger than you've ever done in your life before. If you fail, get up, start over again. If you succeed, you'll grow and become stronger. It's my mindset. 
when it comes to faith. God, I want to push past. I want to push. I want to. I want to do something that I know I cannot do by myself in my own strength, and I'm trusting you to fill in that gap. Does that make sense? How do we grow our faith? How do we grow our faith? We focus on God. We saturate our mind with the word of God, and we exercise our faith. Are there three or four more things we could talk about? Absolutely. There's other ways you can grow your faith. I just wanted to give you some stuff that you could actually take home today and say, okay, I'm going to do that. I'm going to memorize Psalm 23. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get in Jeremiah. I'm going to get in the word. I'm going to start to focus my mind. I'm going to get myself, get my mind so, so focused on who God is that my faith begins to grow. I'm going to attempt something. To, I'm going to try to bless somebody and do something I've never done before beyond what I'm capable of doing. That's my hope for you tonight. I don't want you to be a hindrance to God. I want God to do exactly what he wants to do through your life. Don't we need it? Come on. Don't we need it in this world? Don't we, don't we need you? Listen, don't we need some goodness in this world? Don't we need you and me to say, God, here I am, work through me? I don't want to be a hindrance. I want to bless somebody. There's so much selfishness and, 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 and just evil in this world. God, here, let, me be, let my life be a little bit of light. Here I am. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give myself to you. No hindrance. I'm going I'm to cooperate. I'm going to be productive. I'm going to bless somebody with my life. Now, as I wrap up, I want to reread 2 Thessalonians 1.11 as we close. And you're going to hear it through the lens, through a different lens, because I just gave you 30 minutes of different, different ideas, different thoughts. Same, same verse. Hear it through a different lens. May God give you the power to accomplish all the good things. Did you notice it the first time? All the good things that your faith prompts you to do. See, it's my faith in God, the God who can do anything, all things, that prompts me to try good things. See? If my faith is small, I'm, I'm going to play it safe. I'm not doing anything. I'm going to do, I'm going to stay in my little box, my comfort zone. If my faith is growing and I, and I believe in a God who wants to bless the world and he's called me to partner with him, then I'm going to step outside and I'm going to attempt to do something beyond myself. My faith prompts me to do things. It prompts you to do things. May he give you the power to, all, to do all of the good things that your faith prompts you to do. As we wrap up, there's some of you here today that you're not even in the game yet. What do I mean by that? You don't even have a relationship with Christ yet. You've been thinking about it, contemplating it. You've been invited by a friend. You've been listening in. You're more of an agnostic or maybe an atheist or maybe even from a different faith. The way that you get in this game, the way that you start this journey with God is the same way the rest of us got in, through faith, through belief that Christ is the Messiah, that he died on the cross for your sins. Not just to take you to heaven when you die, but also to bring a quality of life to you that, that you were made for. It's called eternal life. It starts right now. You can step into that by faith. Listen to what the book of John says, chapter one. But to all who believed or had faith in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. You step into this thing, this relationship, not a religion, not a church. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you and God going through this life together. 
Jesus Christ as your Savior. You step into that relationship by declaring that you believe and you receive him as the Savior of your life. If you'd like to make that decision right now, I'm going to say a simple prayer. You know what prayer is? Prayer is faith in action. That's all it is, right? You got to believe. If you don't believe, you're talking to, you're talking to nobody. So, so, so faith presupposes or comes before prayer. Are you with me? So when we pray, we're, we're reaching out in faith, and, you, and you're saying right now to God, I believe. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe that, that you, you did it to forgive me of my sins, to make me a new person. Come into my life and save me. If you'd like to do that right now, I'd ask you to close your eyes and bow your head. Reach out in faith and say these words. Dear Jesus, I believe in you that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who died on the cross for my sin to wash away the penalty, the guilt, the shame in my life, to reconcile me in a relationship with your Father. I ask you to be my Savior. Cleanse me. Wash me. Fill me with your spirit. In this very moment, I trust you. I believe in you. Make me one of your children right now. And help me from this day forward to pursue you, to work with you, to partner with you, to be a blessing to this world that so desperately needs you. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Hey, if you just prayed that simple prayer, it is vital, it is essential that you begin reading the scriptures. The scriptures are really your guidebook. It's, it's, it's your, your sort of a, a, a love letter from God to saying, hey, here's, here's how you go through this journey. Here's what I want from you. Here's how to become the person that I created you to be. Here's how to be a blessing to the people all around you. And so that's why whoever prays that prayer to, to receive Christ and place faith in Christ, we give them a free one-year New Testament. So if you prayed that simple prayer today of faith, there's tables in the back of the auditorium that you can go back there and you can pick one of these up totally free of charge. Can we give God a hand for what he's done? Man, I don't want to be a hindrance. How about you? I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to get to heaven one day and, and God have to say, here's what I could have done. Here's, here's what I wanted to do through your life. But you hindered me. I couldn't work through you because of your lack of faith. Because your mindset was off. I don't want to get to that point. I, I would love to hear him say, man, I did every good work I planned on doing through you. Great job. You gave your life over to me totally and completely. You blessed all of the people I had in mind for you to bless. Can you imagine? Don't you like, wouldn't you like to hear those words when you meet them? I hope so. That's what this series is all about. Let's pray. Jesus, oh, we want to cooperate with you. We give our lives over to you. Lord, we believe, help our unbelief. Help us to take action and, and focus our mind and heart on you and saturate our, our minds with your word and, 
and step out and stretch our faith as Peter did so that we, we can be used by you to be a blessing to this world and not be a hindrance. We love you. I hope you're pleased today. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Hey, if you prayed that simple prayer, make sure you grab a Bible on the way out. Let's pack this place out next week. I got a great talk for you. Hindrance week number three. God bless. See you soon.